to all my people if you're into He-Man The Skeletor, the unofficial revelations companion It's more than a cartoon, I'm here to let you know Masters of the universe, revelations, for sure We breaking down the episodes, this is what you need in Before He-Man, grab somebody and start eating From Evil in Clamp Champ, Teela and the Man of Arms They have the power, so come and join the squad Yeah, dear Skeletor, the unofficial revelations companion Let's go! Welcome to Dear Skeletor, the unofficial companion podcast to Masters of the Universe Revelation. Join us as we recap each episode, celebrate the things we loved, and discuss the other aspects we might not have liked as much. I'm John, and I'm joined by, as always, by my co-host, Forrest. How you doing, Forrest? Uh, not too bad. Excited to talk about episode three of He-Man. I mean, it's not He-Man. It's Master of the Universe Revelation, and He-Man is sometimes in it. Oh, uh, be careful, be careful. You might be getting people's ire up. I don't care. No. <laughs> I mean, no, I do care. Everyone's feelings are, are cool and important. And, um... Yeah, people have feelings about this show, but my feeling is, I like it. Yeah. Well, everyone have a good week. Thanks. (laughs) Wait a minute. You promised me a whole episode about me. (laughs) Skeletor, the man you write letters to. Supposedly, I don't listen. (laughs) <laughs> it sounded like you might have been burned with uh, acid. Did that happen? Well, it was nitrous from this Guinness I'm drinking out Ooh. of the can. Look at you. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I, man at arms might be the most dangerous man in Eternia. I'm the most dangerous man in San Francisco. Wow. You heard it. Heard it, <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Yeah. John's the most dangerous man in San Francisco. That, well, when you say it like that, it, hmm? yeah, no good, yeah, yeah, yeah let's okay. Just, let's just well, it. I'm just gonna go back to my wherever this um, implacable accent's from. <laughs> it is placeable. Uh, comes from the cornfields of, uh... I, I was born un... <laughs> Truth be told, I was born un- under the set of hee-haw. And that's where I lived. Peering up through the cracks. Learning your strange ways. <laughs> I don't know what this character is. And he's gone. <laughs> Forever deleted. Do you think we should start talking about the episode? Episode three, the most dangerous man in Eternia. Uh, I actually um really looking forward to talking about this one. You know, the last one was a little bumpy. Episode two, the poison chalice. Was a little rocky, had some peaks and valleys there, but um, yeah, this one I'm um, I'm ready I'm ready and raring to get into. Ditto, ditto. This was uh, so far probably one of my favorite episodes of this first part, 
And it, you know, finally gives someone his due. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I'll say. The very interesting uh, little, I, I don't know, the the whole setting, it feels compressed. It's like the same running time as the previous two episodes, but it feels more bodily. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like a bottle episode? Like, because it takes place in like fewer lo- locations, maybe? Yeah, no, it it's a... I get kind of the bottle. I'm more along the lines of it. It seems like each one of these episodes so far, outside of the first one that kind of set everything up, really, it's like the the first three minutes and the last five minutes that are the most important, and then kind of everything in between is just I don't want to say filler. It's just stuff that kind of is really sure. meant to get you to the end of that episode versus being a more um, you know, complete story. Everything that you see in there doesn't really feel like it drives whatever is going to happen at the end of the episode. It's just kind of like truly the resolution just to get you to the next part. It, it feels like everyone's so excited that they're burning through this stuff just to get you to like the ones that are going to, you know, like really hit you. But mm-hmm. to be honest, it feels like the pacing like this is for most of these episodes. Yeah, that's a good point. It, like that first episode felt fairly self-contained and then the next four are really just like one story and they're just kind of chopped up into chapters um and uh this is uh this episode is no exception but uh yeah overall it's uh, super fun and uh you you know it's going to be fun right off the bat because we start on a flashback, which I think this is exactly how we started the last episode. Or no, it's not how it starts the last episode, but there is a flashback in it. But in this episode, we get one to start, and it's great because we get Merman, who is sort of, I have a love-hate relationship with uh, yes, Merman. I yes, think he is do. gross, but I do like him quite a bit. But he he's lost the uh, his silly voice. Now he sounds very cool. What do you mean? I mean, no, I do. I was kind of, I was missing it a little, but I do respect the choice not to do that. I'm, I'm all for uh, this upgrade. And <laughs> it's a good please choice. Don't, yeah, please do not get me wrong. Alan Oppenheimer, who voiced Skeletor, also did Merman. And also, <laughs> you could really do that thing with your lips. But here's the thing: so I've seen him do Merman and slash Sea Spray's voice in person. He doesn't do any like I'm cheating, right? I'm using my finger. Uh-huh. He doesn't <laughs> do that. He just does it with his voice. So yeah, it's impressive. It's super impressive. It is definitely a choice, but then like this merman, this voice is just like metal merman. Like, you know, like, I mean, it's Kevin Conroy for heaven's sake. So it's just Batman. It's just angry. Batman. (laughs) (laughs) He sounds incredible. And even, you know, we get not to jump ahead and we'll get this to this eventually, obviously, but we do get a very yoked out, you know, I'm dare say it sort of sexy merman later he definitely looks cool 
like cooler than he's ever looked. You know, he's ditched the uh, corn cob shirt and sword, and as, you know, f- as far as we know, yeah. Like I, I just don't see that making a comeback. I hope. Okay, uh, let me. It comes let me out of his belt, it. so we don't know. <laughs> he, yeah. he did not. He did not activate it this time. Yeah, I'm hoping it doesn't make a comeback. I'm hoping he lost that corn cob belt. And, you know, he's like, well, well you know, I'll just go to, go to H&M or something like that. You know, sensible belt. <laughs> sure. You know, um, last time, or last episode, I did have a minor sort of observation. I wouldn't call it a, a critique necessarily. But that some of the jokes didn't work for me. You know, I'm sure, you know, everyone has their own sense of humor. On the flip side, I thought the humor in this episode uh, was great. Yeah, I mean, Mark Bernard is a really talented individual. And, uh, you know, I love reading, like, the comics he writes uh, whenever he picks up stuff. He actually just wrote one. Uh, it was kind of like, ode to his kid who has autism. And it, oh. uh, if you read Comixology and you have the unlimited subscription, you can actually download it and uh, read it. And it's a really, it's a fun book where he kind of, like, was trying to picture what was going on in her head as far as everything. And it was, it was really insightful and he, it just proves that he's a really talented writer. So I was looking forward to this episode a lot. Um, especially since I'd watch him on like fat man, fat man beyond and you know, anything else he covers. And if you're a fan of hero, not heroes, excuse me, alphas, um, the sci-fi superhero show, he wrote for that too. That's awesome. Yeah, so I I was expecting for more of this episode to land for me than to your point than the last one, the Poison Chalice, which I was just kind of like, eh. And uh, for the most part, I think this one was way more successful. Yeah, does not disappoint. Um, starts off with a really classic He-Man line where he, he says, uh, uh, yeah, it makes sense, Skeletor, that you would resort to piracy. Your face is on their flag. Which is <laughs> a dumb joke, but a thing that He-Man would say. I feel it's very authentic. Yeah, he's uh, He-Man's really into the observational humor. well tila explains it later that this is like he-man had the the sense of humor of a teenager that doesn't get out much and that's true right you're like oh right i don't know man when i was a teenager i was i was i was telling some pretty dark jokes you know i was was pretty edgy you know oh you know like you know, I might have been like the real rich little of my time. Uh, <laughs> sure. Uh, first off, timely reference. Second off, um, I'm known for. Yep. And second off, yeah, there's an exception to every rule, dude. But <sighs> okay, radical, bro. Yep. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think it's a it's just a great way to start. Immediately, I am in the Masters of the Universe mood. Yeah, I also felt like the choice to start with a flashback makes the most sense for almost, I think, any of the episodes for setup that require it. And I mean, yeah. like, if you're going to show a flashback, it almost feels like the requirement of showing it at the beginning makes a lot more sense, yeah. pacing-wise. 
but uh, I agree. I I definitely think that that's a really good uh, uh, observation. Um, it is nice how they use flashbacks and how they sort of dip into the visual language of the original series um, to illustrate, you know, how different it was when Tila first experienced these things as opposed to how the world has changed and, and how it is now. It, it, it creates a, a really interesting contrast that I really enjoy like throughout this, uh, uh, throughout the show. And excuse me for the uh, little, little, little air bubble in my throat. Yeah, I'm not going to apologize for these burps. Okay. They're coming out yeah, of this is the... established in 1759, so there you go. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have nothing to add. <laughs> wow. Um, but, uh, yeah, and then we, the, the flashback basically is about, you know, um, uh, Skeletor and Merman are teaming up against He-Man, and they, they seem to have gotten the upper hand on He-Man and Tila, and who comes to their rescue after they are thrown overboard, but none other than Man-at-Arms, Man-of-Arms. He does have arms, but he also has arms, and he's at them. <laughs> and, he's, uh, <laughs> and he's got a cool underwater rebreather, seeing his little fur sleeves uh, you know, sway in the, in, the, in the currents of the ocean was awesome. Yeah, well, just the the also the music tempo that they have for this part where he's just kind of like swimming over, you're like, and you're like, yeah, that's the guy I want to come rescuing me. You <laughs> yep. know? Yeah, I don't want like I don't know buzz off or some shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, get away, get out of here! I hate your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I can imagine the man at arms stunk after that, but it was really cool to see him come in. And I also even like the fact that he man was like bounded by like these magical shackles, so he couldn't mm-hmm. just like rip them apart. Um, yeah, this was a f- like a just a real fun way to I feel to start the episode, and it was great having uh, Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill both be bad guys in this instance. It was like we got <laughs> yeah. Batman and the Joker at the same time. And, you know, it showed such an iconic location in the Crystal Sea. Um, mm-hmm. if, if, if I remember correctly, I think in the, I think it was like literally a sea of crystals versus this one, which seems a little nicer. Probably makes <laughs> yeah. a lot more sense, but I think it's pretty cool. Well, there's a couple of updates here, right? Because we have the, the Sea Eagle, the... Uh, royal ship of the Eternos royal family. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in the original books it was in, uh, you know, it had sails, it had a bit more of a traditional look. This one has a very super yacht feeling um, that is uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if I had to pick the one that had, like, the eagle front from old school or this one, which was, you know, more... Eagle-ish. Yeah. Yeah, I'd I'd pick this. Though I would string their names really fast together so it was just the seagull. The seagull. (laughs) Well, you know that's what someone did. 
they're just like, what's the name of this boat? What's the name of this boat? Oh, it's got a bird on it, and it's in the sea. That's a seagull. No, wait, no. It's the sea eagle. Yeah, That's no. gotta be how every He-Man name is generated. That that's fair. It's a sled. Listen, this guy. It's the yeah, the the land car. Nope. <laughs> Sky sled. <laughs> Mortimer, you're a genius. You done I it just, again. I just imagined like some forty year old dude chain smoking, just running down a hallway with like loose papers in his hand. <laughs> I've got it. I've got it. It's the seagull. I mean, the sea eagle. Damn it. Damn it. You did it again. We're gonna take an extra smoke break, huh? <laughs> it's it's making the cut. It's gonna be in this. <laughs> It's gonna be in this really crappy looking book. It's gonna be really nice. <laughs> yeah. You done it again, Mortimer. You done it again. You've got the power. <laughs> Thanks, boss. <laughs> I do. I do like the idea of him running like it's like he fucking figured out the math to bring the astronauts yeah, back. Here. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm picturing. <laughs> the sea eagle. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I'm into it. Oh my goodness. Um but yeah, and uh you're all wet, Skeletor is what with the line we get to to sort of end the scene on and transition to uh Andra, Tila, and Evil Lynn hacking their way through the dense Eternian jungles, talking about He Man's sense of humor really yeah and that's the point where you brought up where he had the sense of humor of a teenager because he was a teenager so there you go mm-hmm. could exactly. just got like his first joke book i guess yeah <laughs> you're all wit <laughs> oh, god this is gold comedy gold <laughs> oh man and then we get the evil... This is such a cool scene. I love the writing here. I love everything about this this part of the episode. Because uh, Evelyn is talking about how Man-at-Arms was the real threat. She told every snake mountaineer, I think is what she called them, yeah. um, that, uh, you know, watch out for Man-at-Arms. He's the real, the you know, the power behind the, the Flash, which is He-Man. I, I agree. Yeah, He's it's like, awesome. It's <laughs> yeah, just like, like give this dude his dues. He's so badass. Make he finally badass. is getting his dues. Exactly. Yeah, and I was like, there you go. This dude is called Man at Arms. He's got tons of shit. He's and like the they're sweet- not just talking about his guns. That guy's got guns of his own. And I'm not talking about his guns. I'm talking about his arms. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I pulled that off. Yeah. I mean, you broke my brain, so congratulations. The pause says everything. Okay. Okay, let's just move on. Yeah, please. Oh, my brain hurts now. Yeah. Uh, and also we get a little bit of uh, Evelyn sort of, you know, she's lamenting. She's like, don't go after 
you know, bad guys. You can't fix them, and, you know, they don't really care about you. And you can tell she's kind of talking about Skeletor here. Just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, last episode, she was just said they were best friends, but I don't know, sounds like there might have been a little more affection there. Sure. Yeah, but it, it also parallels to, you know, Tila not necessarily uh, letting go either and the torch that she carried, or she's still carrying for He-Man as well. But, yeah, you know, a different sense. A little, little tete-on-tete action there. Yeah. Uh, actually, but I think if you're just measuring uh, whose barbs stung the, the most, I think then Tila wins, because she says <laughs> to hear, you're the one with a Skeletor in your closet. <laughs> Yeah. Which is such a burn. Yeah. The guy you like has a skull skull for a face. How do you like that? Yeah, how do you like dim apples? <laughs> She's totally neglecting my purple body. Oh man, you know don't you got an Uber to deliver or something, Skeletor? <laughs> okay, I've got yeah, we get a lot. We get kind of a lot of this back and forth between uh, Evil N and Tila this episode, where you know they've battled each other so often, and you know even had to be allies in certain cases. That this is just like nice to kind of get their observations on each other and where they're at. It's also uh, very prudent advice that Tila gives Audra by saying, "Don't take life advice from Evil Lynn. And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I mean, at best, I'd ask her what her, you know, like, what does she eat during the course of the day? Uh, you know, I, I would take like health advice from Evil Lynn. Oh, sure, <laughs> yeah, anyone on a on a turn, yeah, I'm I'm asking, what's your secret, man? <laughs> Yeah, HGH. What? <laughs> That's the thing is that there is, while there is plenty of magic and sorcery and all sorts of uh, fantastical goings on on Eternia, there is no sugar. That's oh. what. That's it. See, oh. that's why when I come and I've got a little Snickers bar and I offer it to you know, like I don't know, let's just say, uh. <laughs> Why am I not thinking of uh, uh, Boss Man? Let's say Boss Man's there. I bring down and I have a Snickers bar. And I'm like, hey, try a little something of this. All of a sudden, you flash forward to 10 years later. Attorney is just like gone, man. Everyone. <laughs> oh, that'd be brutal. Like you just killing them with fucking like cavities and shit. Yep. Yeah. Just like introduce. Uh, sugar and like you know, uh, people just become addicted to it, and then that's that destroys attorney esque. <laughs> you gave me an idea, <laughs> damn it! I can just, just see He Man cutting up like just pounds of sugar with his power sword to just rub it on his gums. Remember, kids, send me sugar. <laughs> What Until you next say? time. <laughs> send send loose sugar and an envelope to P.O. Box 135, New York, New York. Oh man. Um 
Yeah, we don't know that if that's true. Don't take that. Don't put that in the uh, the Wikipedia entry for uh, for Masters of the, uh, of the Universe that there was no sugar on it. <laughs> well, I mean, I just figured the HGH was like He Man growth hormone. You know. <laughs> No. See, that's the thing, is that all it takes in Eternia to get big muscles like that is touching a sword. And there's so many swords everywhere. That's why people who fight more are just so much bigger. They're always getting sort of incrementally bigger every time they touch a sword. I can't even touch my toes anymore. I'm too bad. Too bad <laughs> I can't buckle up my shoes. And then Skeletor says, that's why I have clawed feet. <laughs> He's just like, Ugh. I wear shoes the the shape of my feet. <laughs> oh god, that'd be gross. He's like, I wear those small toe shoes. They're the same. <laughs> he he kind of does, right? He has those purple boots that have like the toes in them. Yeah, it depends on which one you're looking at. Sometimes he's just got like those weird little bird feet. Yeah. And sometimes he's got his three <laughs> the duck feet. Then he's got yeah, he's got the little squat little duck feet. Then he's got like you know the. Little, like, this one has the long, like, country toes, like, the three toes. Yeah. So, like, he, he he's all over the place. Sometimes it looks like a f- full boot. Other times it just spats. He's, like, you know, Scrooge. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> he's just got, like, these shin guards, but it's, he's just <laughs> walking around, you know, his feet. I like to hang loose. Yeah, maybe Keep on bit. trucking. <laughs> maybe a little too much, you know? Yeah. Getting, getting, you know. Them toes I, in that mud. Mm, I hard. always kind of assumed Skeletor smelled bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, we don't really know where his neck stops. Like, you know, like what keeps his skull head connected there's, to his body. There's he's exposed got... meat in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty rotten. Yeah. I, I mean, I hate to be it. You know, maybe he, like, you know, he covers well. You know, he gets, like, a lot of different colognes, maybe some Axe body spray. Ooh, no, that yeah. sounds like a nightmare. But just, like, I'll think about where he lives. This this dank cave, and he never lets, like, anything dry out. It's just perpetually damp. Yeah, and then, like I said, he's walking around with no shoes. Depending on which one he got, he's walking around with no shoes on. So he's just getting all that caught in them, them, them claws, them talons on his toes. Yeah, I mean, most people probably working at Snake Mountain smells pretty bad. But I imagine Skeletor, pretty funky. I mean, yeah. the worst part is he can't smell it because he doesn't have a fucking nose. So like, That's the thing. He doesn't right? care. He's nose blind. He's literally nose blind to it because I'm assuming his olfactory senses just kind of fell out whenever his face dissolved. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've thought yep. about this. No. Yeah, of course. We've got it all <laughs> figured out. Um... But uh, we transition from the jungles, and we find out their destination. It's a small town! Of course, they haven't arrived yet. Instead, we are are, uh, introduced to a group of people lined up to get some yummy water out of a fountain. But it's not just yummy, it's also magical. Yeah, so it must be like Fiji water. Sure, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> With those prices, right? Yeah, uh-huh. It better have some magic in it. Better have the last source of magic in Eternia. You spill it on the ground. A couple of small plants grow. <laughs> Which strikes me like regular water does that too. So uh, it's just faster. Faster, I guess. I mean, they it's, were going to kill that old man. Yeah, man. They like he. Here's the thing, guys. 
people who are mad, I know people who are mad are rarely rational, but to to be fair to the old man, he just spilled the, his water. That's just his like he's out of luck. He's he's double screwed and you're just piling on. Come on, buddy. I mean, you all kind of figured out a system. You know, I mean, people were waiting in line for it. So just yeah, it's it sucks. Yes, he wasted magical water. But like you said, it was his. Yeah. It was just his take a waste. cell phone video of it and post it on Reddit. <laughs> like uh epic fail. Our epic fail. And then you see an old man drop his only portion, his only ration of uh magical water. Do you think everybody has an orco at home? I don't know. <laughs> Why do they need this magical water? Because I guess maybe it's like a crop thing. Because we see it splash on the ground and the plants grow a little bit. So maybe maybe this is an agriculture-based town and it seems they... like very specific magical water then. Yeah. You right? Like I mean it spilled on the ground, it just decided to grow something. But I don't know, some some people might decide, you know, like, you know, brush your teeth with it. I I mean wow can you imagine i bet that happens and like you know someone brings it home just like you know you have something you have some leftovers from a great restaurant you love you bring it home Mm -hmm. you put your name on it you put it in the fridge and then that roommate comes down and then they eat the whole thing and i wanted to see your name on there i bet that thing happens in this town all the time where's my magical water You think people going into somebody's house? It's like, yeah. Can I just get? I'm gonna just get some water from your kitchen. Don't don't mind me. And you're like, glug 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 glug. Yep. On. Have like a full beard. You know, yeah. twenty just pounds lighter. Look <laughs> fantastic. Carl, Son of a. Did you, you drink my water? You replaced this with Dasani. <laughs> I can taste it different. It's crunchy. Dasani <laughs> is crunchy. He just drinks it and spits it everywhere. See, nothing's growing. Yeah, no. I, I was also. I, I don't know. Like, I, I want to know why they were there. Were there no other fonts of magical water? Um, I'm guessing was, no. I mean, people seem to come from miles around, but they are also very upset at this guy just spilling his water. And you're right; they were about to tear him limb from limb. <laughs> Good. Yeah. You know what? Good thing in these dark times in the post magic Eternia, one of the heroes was there to save the day. And of course, as we know from the flash, the flash forward so far, heroes are always cloaked figures. So thank goodness there was a cloaked figure there um, mm-hmm. to save the day. Yeah, I mean, I guess he was just uh, th- this cloaked figure was getting ready to just start like whooping some ass. Like he's yeah. like, I'm just going to beat up the whole town. Uh, fortunately for the town, uh, that was stopped when Triclops decided to show up to destroy <laughs> this little font of magic. At this point, I've been like, fuck it, go ahead. Here's like, what's too- funny. I think on last episode, I was like, well, we're never seeing Trapjaw again. And <laughs> I literally forgot that he was even in this episode. So when he showed up and when I was rewatching it for this, sh- this, uh, this recording, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> and sure enough, he's got a big slice through his face and a, a missing eye. 
uh, or a missing er eye, and uh, yeah, and he's <laughs> he's right as rain. Got a couple stitches, no problem. Yeah, yeah a little, little cyber eye, a little bit of that motherboard juice, and uh, yep. you know, <laughs> yep. the mighty motherboard. He is fine, you know. He's driving around in that new, not magical laser car. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's it's powered by one of those not magical crystals <laughs> that yeah. shoot that can burn a hole through a wall. I'm starting to kind of get sold on this whole technology thing. By the way, I'm for it. Yeah, I'm for it. It, it seems powerful. <laughs> yeah, seems like it, it's it's filling a void. It's filling. Oh, a void. absolutely. It's, and you know, if well, actually, let me call out real quick. I love the man-at-arms fight scene where he has to hold the cup and make sure it doesn't fall over, and he's beating uh, a bunch of people up. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, watching man-at-arms kind of go John Wick on people, I'm for it. He's just tossing ass left and right. It didn't sound right, but you know what I meant. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 uh, there was plenty of people who got flipped up and around and over and everywhere, so... I think that's a fair, an accurate, probably, uh, description of what was going uh, on in that scene. But, um, yeah, you know, technology, to go back to technology for a second, it's winning the day. If Beastman doesn't show up here, story over. Roll credits. Yeah, I mean, they got those, like, uh, you know, tentacle arms, those cable arms, wrapped up everybody. Uh, you know, Tila and them all show up turn off the not magical laser car um yeah and they were fucking doomed and then you know beastman's there i didn't realize while they were in the jungle beastman was following them like i i literally did not realize that the first time i watched this episode yeah that that really slipped by me too but they do that that little hint they show his silhouette you know when they're uh walking through the jungle uh effective Effective. And uh, Beastman's great. And having him show up and fight everyone and just uh, beat the, the eyes off of uh, Triclops. It was great, but, you know, I know this is a show about heroes and doing heroic stuff, but uh, kill Triclops. Yeah, I think there's a certain point where you just kind of like just, you know, snap his head. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's the he's the cult leader. He's got all these cultists under his thrall. Um, you know, take him out of the picture because later you have to literally like take the most powerful member of your team and sideline them because you're worried for you know the sorceress. So, like, just just uh, you know, got to think of the greater good. Yeah, All you have to do is like yeah. pop up. <laughs> Yuck. But also, like, you know, Evelyn and her guardian, because we find out uh Beastman is here to protect Evelyn in a very cool turn of events, I thought. Um But uh you know, these are the two evil, sort of morally gray, if not completely evil persons on your team. Just kind of let them, just look the other way a second. Be like, whoa, 
When an arm so cool, there's a big bird. Have you ever seen a bird that big? Yeah, yeah, just walk over the hill. We'll catch up. Promise. Yeah. Then and then, yeah, exactly. And then you see a yeah. you see an eye just fly past you. You ignore it. You're like, oh wow, baseball yeah. season started early this year. Yeah, you know. Oh, there's another one, and another one. Yeah. Oh, but take out, yeah. take out Triclops, please. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, especially when he's got that stupid hat on. <laughs> His evil Pope hat. Yeah. Um, I found it weird that, you know, Beastman was such a defender for, like, Evelyn, and I wonder where that comes from. You know, because I'm pretty sure Skeletor was a jerk from time to time. He's like, no one, you know, like, no one threatens Evelyn. And I was like, probably except for Skeletor, because I'm sure he has from time to time. Yeah, but it seems like maybe when Skeletor was around, Beast Band kind of uh, was loyal to both, because at the end here, he does swear by the bones of Skeletor. I do like the fact that he's a curse, you know, like, by the bones of Skeletor, I guess, or by the meaty arms of Skeletor. (laughs) Yep, well, he's bone now. (laughs) You know what I mean? He started off with some bones, and now... He's all bones. I mean, you know. Or a paste. (laughs) I mean, a greasy paste. Yeah, what happens when you're a smudge? Yeah. By the smudge of Skeletor. Yeah, okay. By the smudge of Skeletor. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't strike as much fear in me. Yeah. Uh, But I have to say, I do like Clancy Brown. He really does sell it in this. um, I mean, anything he's in, I don't care if it's Mr. Krabs. Or the weird preacher from that show where Nick Stahl played a Jesus allegory. Carnival. Sure. You ever watched that show? No. I just remember uh, Clancy Brown always saying, Come one, come all, to Carnival. <laughs> that's, that's what they would that, say. That was, that was his thing? That was the tagline uh, nope. for when they did the, the previews for the show. It was about... Yeah. Dust Bowl Jesus. That's, just look it up. Nope. I don't mean I, to be blasphemous, blasphemous, but that's that is. If you watch the show, that's kind of what they were getting at. Only Clancy Bound line is, you know which one I like. <laughs> no, no, what had I, I done? I have so much. It's better to burn out than to fade away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's long, but it's worth it. It's long, but it's worth it. I love it. Come on. Come on. That, and then when he's like, it's a disguise. You're like, really? Who the fuck are you fooling? You just shaved your head and put like a paper clip through it. (laughs) But, you know, he sold the shit out of being Kurgan, and he sold the shit out of being Beastman. And And Mr. uh, Krabs. I guess. I don't know what that is. (laughs) What? Uh, Not a SpongeBob fan. Okay, that's fine. I'm not not a SpongeBob fan. Okay. Yeah. All right. I don't. I don't know where this is going. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on. No, I'm just saying I've not watched enough SpongeBob to understand uh, anything other than it is culturally relevant. And I know my mom watches the hell out of it. So, oh, that's cool. You know, she's got a good taste in cartoons. So I, I assume that it's it's a pretty funny. I I, I saw bits with that. Uh, 
Is he an octopus? Squidward? Uh, okay, I guess he's a squid. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, he felt like if I would have watched more, I'm pretty sure that he would have been my spirit animal. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you don't play the clarinet or whatever he plays. No, but I played a saxophone for like a couple months. That count? That's cooler. Yeah, but I didn't play it. I'm sure probably Skidward could actually play the clarinet. When I played the saxophone, I was like, I also had like major asthma at the time. (laughs) Yeah, and the one time I played the saxophone well was when I just was like messing around. What? So I was like, you're the teacher's like, he was like, that's what you're supposed to do. You're doing it right. I was like, I have no idea what I just did. I did you're the equivalent. Of, no, I did the equivalent of just pressing all the keys on a like a piano, and mm-hmm. something nice came out. <laughs> you know, it's not like <laughs> blank. It was like, you know, that's what I did, and it's like that's. I love, I love how your saxophone impression sounds like uh, Blue from Blue's Clues. All right, there's another reference going over my head. Uh, I'll try. I have you. the, I have the mind of a child. Anyway, um, enough about my oatmeal brain. Um, because um, now all of the Scooby gang is saved and Beastman has joined the party. Um, and that's when um, Duncan, the man at arms himself, um, unmasks. And uh, I mean, we knew he was him the whole time. The green arms gave it away. But um, yeah, now, now Tila seems surprised, but I feel like she should have. Uh, seen this coming i mean maybe it's that cloak you know it's like the equivalent of glasses on clark kent you know they can't tell it's superman you wear a little bit of cloak can't tell it's the person who raised you since birth yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep, <Sure>. yeah <laughs> sure. she uh yeah she is shocked and of course he's very apologetic because like the last time they encountered each other she was quite mad um yeah yeah yeah, I do, I do, you know, I do like, you know, they mentioned, hey, we need you to reforge the Sword of Power, and he's like, what, that's all? Yeah, <laughs> like, like that was a great... For, <laughs> for fucking impossible. That's such a, a fantastic read. Um, I, this is, so this is the only part of the episode, and I understand that it's intentional, so I'm not knocking the, I'm not knocking the fact that, that they do this, but man at arms reasoning is so flawed that everyone everyone disagrees with it <laughs> like that's how this next part of the scenes go because he's like i can't reforge a sword because you know as we found out in episode 1 he was banished from ever doing anything mechanical or making any sort of weapon ever again and and doing so could get him executed so he just refuses flat out and you know he has to deliver this important water um to his uh his little hut out in the middle of nowhere but it is interesting how nobody is on his side about this reasoning yeah well i mean i guess they know 
there's something more up, right? Like there, there's something more going on. So it's just kind of like, you know, forget what King Randor said. It, that's not important right now because the state of the universe is. Yeah. So and then he's like, yeah, but I got this new family now and I won't abandon them. And then his new family is like, we're out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Later, old man. Yeah, we're out of here. They don't care at all. They're like, yeah, but we're going to leave, though. So what now? And he's like, oh, okay, I'll come. No, I'm coming down. No, yeah, if you guys are going, I might as well. I was going to stay here for you, but if you're going, I might as well go. Yeah, I have nothing left to be here for. It was a very uh, quick turn. <laughs> yeah, it just seemed like it was so, it was just funny because of how flimsy it was. And then, uh, like, how everybody was just like, no, let's let's get out of here. But again, I want to go back to Orko real quick. He is like they are playing him so masterfully. I was worried that they were going to try to make Orko cool. Like because when I saw his design, it was like sleeveless and it was like a little more edgy. He's longer, you know, you see his bare sinewy arms and there's like the design overall has like it is more cool. But I thought they were going to make him, like, cool. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but it's impossible. The only time they made Orko cool was when he was Gwildor. <laughs> Listen, you know me. I love Orko. As a kid, I was all about aesthetics. And Orko is a, is a good design. Like, from a sure. color-blocking perspective, from a um, silhouette perspective. Right. It's good. Of course, it was weird in, like, he was a weird, annoying character in the cartoon on purpose, but, like, I loved him, because he did magic, and he had a big floppy hat, and he was, you know, kind of mysterious. You want to know who matches all of those? Big floppy hat. Does Mm -hmm. magic. Mysterious. But yeah. is a million times cooler. Who? Little guy called the Shadow. That dude is boss. Orko. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hold on. Hold <laughs> so on. Okay. Let's just pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. <laughs> I just. This is so great because I know how much you love the Shadow, mm. and so, <laughs> like the way you masterfully. We're on a show about a He-Man continuation show. <laughs> you were able to weave the shadow in there somehow. This you, is you. You described yeah. the shadow. Mysterious <laughs> I mean... magic. Big floppy hat has a scarf. I'm just calling yeah. it like I see it, buddy. Just calling okay. it like I see it. You okay. described the shadow, which is. <laughs> Obviously, the cooler like, version. I would much rather have the shadow than Orko. I any feel day like of the week. I could have described a ham sandwich, and it's and it's somehow you would have been seeing a, a ham sandwich with like a a big false nose and a scarf around it and a fedora. And two twin forty fives and opera cake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's a one tasty sandwich. <laughs> That damn sandwich knows. 
who knows what evil lurks in the stomachs of men. That ham sandwich knows. Okay. <laughs> this is that's great because this is officially going to be Deer Skeletor's first T-shirt. <laughs> it won't make any sense. Works for me. <laughs> oh, I love it. I can't wait to draw what a ham sandwich would look like dressed as the shadow. I like it. Ah. I'm for it. Mm, uh, this is fantastic. Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, look, listen. I love Orko. I'm a big Orko, Orko stan. But if you yeah. think for a second that I am going to sit over here and take the position that Orko is cooler than the, the shadow, you got another thing coming, buddy, because <laughs> that's a ridiculous argument to take. You can't take it. Orko is 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 nerdy and weird, and the shadow is is awesome. So, yeah. I, no, I can't. I can't take that counter argument to that. But um, I just want to say they're killing it with Orko in this thing. He is heartbreaking throughout this entire episode. Every time he op- opens his mouth, I want to cry. <laughs> it's almost like they. I don't know. It's like you realize that Orko, you know, Orko was this annoying character that always like was tagging along on a mission and doing magic tricks that never really worked out, but. He talks about, you know, his past and missing these adventures and and longing for this friendship and this sense of adventure he used to have, you know, before all this stuff happened in a way that is so heartbreaking. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty sad. And, it, it, <laughs> yeah. and also, you know, coupled with the fact that, you know, like Man-at-Arms and Orko's relationship you know, in the, you know, the original series was, you know, Man-at-Arms was always annoyed with Orko. Hated but, the guy. Hey, like, yeah, pretty much I felt like, you know, every chance he get, he was trying to think about taking him out or something like that. Um, but the fact that, you know, they were there together and, you know, Man-at-Arms was taking care of him. That's why he went to go get the water in the first place was because, like, you know, he's just like, I gotta drink some magic water. He's drinking that Red Bull, you know. The old, <laughs> yep. the old pep and orco step. Uh, <laughs> it's drink up, friend. It's got guarana. <laughs> yeah, like you know, and then taurine. It'll make you strong. Yep. Um. Yeah. No. This is this is pretty heartbreaking because it's also like he, like you said, he's just he just wants things to go back to. The way they were before, you know, where they could go on these adventures and they could have fun and there were no worries, you know, but you could see like this life is just, you know, what has happened is just kind of broken all of these people, and especially Orko, who was. Yeah, he looks like he's on death's door. I mean, he is like weak and fragile and like it is this feeling there's a finality to his request he just wants like he is dying for lack of the of a a better term or maybe that's exactly the right term but he wants just one more adventure and he has to beg he has to beg to be added to this gang nobody wants him Nobody wants him. The only reason he gets to come uh, along is because Roboto shows up. Justin Long coming in with a a very cool Roboto performance. 
Yeah, no disagreement there. I didn't even realize that was him. Yeah, right. I was like, I was like, oh, that's pretty good. I wonder who that Roboto is. I won't look it up. And then the second <laughs> time was like, Justin Long. Whoa! And then you could obviously hear it. But yeah, it's a very compelling, you know, argument on his point. Yeah, pretty much, you know, family is what you make it. And I was just yeah, like, yeah, you're not, you're not wrong. That that rings true. You know, in in the real world. Yeah. Absolutely. And also, but then like he's like, yeah, family's what you make of it. We're all a family, but also have fun. Go get kick rocks, man at arms. We're going to go. <laughs> I'll, I'll join you. Cause I, the benefit is because since, uh, to create Roboto, you know, that's a copy of the, the mind patterns, the memory engrams of a young man at arms has been transferred into Roboto. So he says, Hey, you know, younger you would have helped, and so I'm going to as well. You can't argue with that logic. Yeah. And then that's when Man at Arms is finally like, all right, I'll come. And then Tila's like, nah. nah, nah. <laughs> you kick rocks, old man. Go protect the sorceress. Go hang out with Cringor. Yeah. You're on the and you're you're benched. Yeah. So you know me. I you know I love this uh I love this series so far. And uh, uh, I have a lot of great things to say about it. The only thing I will say that is consistently annoying and I don't like at all is that people keep trying to tell Tila her parentage and then they've kind of very cheesily have them be interrupted. And it happens like twice. I think maybe twice, three times, maybe just twice. But each time is cringy. I don't like I, I don't know. We well, get each, it. Each fucking time, it's Evil Lynn, too. Like, she's literally, <laughs> she's just like, no time for that. Do you, do you think it's going to be revealed that she has some sort of ulterior motive for keeping the secret? I, I would hope so. That would make it better for me. If I found well, out that, that she had, like, there was a reason why she keeps interrupting um, yeah, like I, I'm. That's what I'm kind of hoping by whatever the end of this series is. You know, like if part two is the end of this series, you know, they just do their thing and whatever. I kind of hope that plays out, because um, it is everything is very deliberate, like really in your face, almost like there's no subtlety at all. Um. And it feels like sometimes it's like a misdirect and other times it's just like trying to reinforce those notes. So then, you know, like you remember that. So then if it does happen where like evil one's like, oh, I had a plan all along or whatever, you know, I've meant to keep this, you know, I had to keep it a secret or, you know, I vowed to or whatever, you know, it's revealed and everyone can be like, aha, I saw that coming, you know, feel real smart about themselves. Hopefully, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It It is a weird choice. I mean, I guess it makes sense that it is evil and being the one who would do it because she'd have no time for like touching moments. She's like, we, we, we got to hurry up. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go do this right now. Yeah. Type of attitude. So it makes sense. But yeah, it it's, feels like it happens almost every episode so far. Yeah. And that, I don't know. It got a little bit of an uh, eye roll for me. Uh, that like I because I think it might be the third time. The first time you're like, okay, 
And then yeah. w- once it finally gets to it, or like, you know, the, the third time or whatever, you're like, all right. Yeah, it's I get it. I get it. It also, like I said, just makes it to me. It's just one of those things where you're like, okay, Evelyn has literally done this multiple times, like to stop this from being said. If you felt like now is the time, why didn't you just tell him? Wait, why didn't you just tell her years ago? Yeah, and then the fact that like, so obviously this is this uh kind of like an oversimplification of like what might happen, right? Because. If you drop that bomb, there would be lots of other di- discussions and you would need, you know, things would be paused. So I acknowledge that. But it is funny that Man-at-Arms like, uh, okay, story for another time then. But you could have literally said the words in that amount of words. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like, uh, good luck, you know, afterwards, I guess. Like, let, let me tell you the secret. The <laughs> is your mother. <laughs> Yeah. And you just saw like the <laughs> is my mo- what the <laughs> yeah. well it's time for you to get on the seagull <laughs> and then <that> better <laughs> hit the old dusty trail yeah yeah I mean you know it is what it is it it definitely is something that's really noticeable and at a certain point you just kind of like okay why not they're they're like in part five. Why not have that all be discussed? Because it's such a you want to talk about like weird bottle episode. Up until like almost the the end of that one, it feels like this everything was completely almost arbitrary except for one key part. So I think like Adam could have said something like, "By the way, is your mom?" Yeah, <laughs> and then you know cope with that and all figure all that shit out. But it would have been a nice way for Adam to be the one who reveals the secret to her because a lot of, you know, her trust issues stem from being lied to by everyone in her, in her life, including Adam. So it would be nice to him for him to, like, um, kind of redeem himself a little more that way. Um, and we'll we'll talk about you know, obviously, all that obviously. stuff later. But um, So all of you will have to... Who I just mentioned. <laughs> sure. Yep. Um, uh, so we're back in the Crystal Sea and uh, back on a very cool boat. This seems like it must have been a toy, but I didn't recognize it. Did you? It is. It, it was just made for the show. Well, that's cool. Well, it has some eyes on the front, which feels very much like a toy. Um, but, uh you know, Roboto's at the helm, and we get more bonding uh, from Eva Lynn and Tila, which I really actually enjoyed. And, you know, they were just talking about when they would fight, and, um, uh, you know, uh, Tila gives some, or I should say, Eva Lynn, who has very cool white hair, yeah. um, gives Tila some really good advice. You know, she says, regardless of what is going on with you, you have to deal with this stuff around Adam. Because that's really one of the things that Tila hasn't really done yet. She hasn't really processed these emotions. She's been a lot of time being mad about them, but not a lot of time sort of interrogating her own feelings and and figuring out what it is that is really bothering her. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I agree. This is like, I guess, the one time maybe you do want to take life advice from Evil Lynn. <laughs> yep. Yeah, kind of like, 
uh, yeah, I guess it is sort of, it's almost like a circular thing. It's sort of calling back to that earlier comment because she actually is giving good life advice. Both times, really. Yeah, I mean, both because she's lived it. That That's like, you know, I, I'm just assuming that Evelyn's definitely older than Tila. So she's gone through this and she went through it, you know, on, a, uh, on one end. So she's been learning how to cope. Obviously, she's, you know, had to change her, you know, her uh, mind's eye, her perception of things without Skeletor being there and teaming up with the sorceress, you know, a known enemy for so long. There had to have been a lot of character growth that we didn't get to see. Yeah. Um, well, I really love what she says in this scene where she says, like, she regrets being so obsessed and following Skeletor so, you know, almost re- religiously in a way. Because she says she she should have been a master of the universe. And I thought that was really uh, interesting. Because she's saying, like... She wasted her time following this this person and regrets it. And I thought that was really cool because I I like she may not be necessarily speaking about being a hero, but that's kind of how it read to me. You're saying I could have been like you, but I chose not to and I have regret regret there. And I thought that was really I don't know, I love that character growth for Evil uh Evelyn. Yeah, no, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of this evil Lynn more so than I thought I would be because you know I didn't watch anything so I didn't know how this character was going to play into the series, but I kind of like this. Uh, I guess for lack of a better term, either redemption arc evil Lynn or you know at least antihero evil Lynn who realizes there's something larger than herself that she has to help solve and a lot of self-realization of who she is and what she could have done. And it's, it's nice to get both sides of how like Eternia is coping without their respective, yeah, uh, put this quote champions, you know, without He-Man on one side without Skeletor, like almost like these main larger than life driving forces for Eternia and how both sides are kind of coping with their the, the vacuum, their loss. Um, it's really nice to see this back and forth. Yeah, it's super interesting, too, how He-Man as a symbol and as Skeletor as a symbol united these two disparate groups. And without that sort of guiding principle, they have splintered into all these disparate factions that are just, like, much more chaotic. It's weird that, like, once you have these two focal points that are sort of generically bad and generically good, then you everyone sort of gravitates to them. And without that gravitation, you have chaos. And I think that is a really interesting thing to explore. And, you know, not to get too far ahead, but I wish we had more time. I wish there was more episodes. I want to spend more time in Eternia uh, exploring these questions, and I hope that we get that time after episode 5, because 
Um, you know, I think from here on out, it's sort of like a race to the the conclusion, and we go to some pretty crazy places, but never really back to that to to that setting. So I hope we get more of that in the future. I I wish. I don't think we will. Yeah, you're probably this, right. This really feels like, in the end of the day, it's a very limited series. Um, like you know, I don't see this going. Honestly, right now, if I like, I know. Well, I know one of our episodes is going to be talking about the future, so I guess I shouldn't chime into it. But this one feels very limited. I'll put it like that. And yeah, um, and this this will be a tr- this will be a little teaser for when that episode rolls around. I disagree. But uh, well, you might know something because I do not read news. I don't. I, I know nothing, and I've okay. actually pur- purposely not looked up anything because I'm sure i don't know i i don't i don't know how it, netflix is going to react to this weird brigading that's going on about the show um so you might be very well right i the, the my feeling is not based upon the hate tanks of people who can't seem to understand what this is or just like just go with the flow and see where it goes you know like there's there's no reason to hate something so much for where you, you know something that you haven't seen the full you know breadth of it with the exception yeah. of like Titans you see season 1 of Titans yeah feel free to hate everything else they do <laughs> no matter how much they try to redeem it god well you know what i feel like there's like a Venn diagram where people who do not like He-Man might like the show so <laughs> i don't know yeah you're probably right oh, i don't god, know i, I don't you know i don't know like everyone has their, you know, opinions and everything, and I understand. Like disappointment is, is like a super hard emotion to process, um, but you know, I think I, we could all stand to process it a little more healthily. I guess I don't. I'm not one to tell people what to do with their shit. Sure, sure. I don't know. I just I'll I here. I agree with you in the sense that, you know, you do whatever's going to help you be you as long as you're not being physically hurtful or damaging or anything like that as far as towards other people because of your disdain for what they did to your beloved cartoon that you never watched, but you only know the name of. Um, My point is, as long as it doesn't lower your credit score, you should be okay with it. (laughs) <laughs> there you go that i love that uh i love that metric let's let's everyone out there just keep that in mind next time you see something online and it's about something pop culture and it makes you real mad because it, it's not what you wanted or expected just remember it's not hurting your credit score and maybe be like okay it's got that going for it yeah it's like it, it's not impacting me directly i'm good you know yeah like, I, I might be able to get, like, you know, refinance my house. Yep. Or mortgage loan, you know what I mean? Like, I'm doing all right in that regard, so. Yeah. Know. Well, you know, wise words, well spoken. Thank, um, you. Thank you. Thank you. Of course, Thank of course. You. Thank you. Um, but uh, the wise words of Evil Lynn and the sad words of Orko uh, are cut short because the Aquaticans attack. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. they're really fast compared to a boat. Like, either this boat was pretty slow, or those aquaticans are pretty fast. 
Oh, yeah. They're, they're able to disable that engine pretty quick. And look, aquatics in their name. So I'm going to understand that, they're, you know, they're going to be pretty quick. But We're on their turf. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. And especially now that they have CrossFit Merman as the uh, as their leader. I'm sure he's he's running them through swimming drills every day. Yeah, Merman looks pretty badass, to be honest. Like, with the yeah. fucking missing the eye. And he's, he's got definitely... scars all over. He's yeah. yoked. I mean, everyone in, in attorney is yoked, but yeah. he's, like, shirtless. He, he's... like I said before, sexy Merman. Yeah, he's getting pretty good. You know, he's definitely getting the Omega-6s and Omega-9s for sure. Sure, yeah. Uh, yeah. Omega-6s and Omega-9s. Yeah, you know, Omega-420s. He's... he's a big fan of that, I heard. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, it looks great. I like it. Merman gets down. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I love that uh, Evelyn calls Merman a traitorous trout. Uh, that is fantastic. And I actually really love Merman's anger here because. Again, like you said before, we're seeing the effects of the lack of these two monolithic icons in the world. And part of what we see is like, Merman is like, we could have ruled. I could have ruled the sea. You could have ruled the land. But once Skeletor is gone, everyone forgot about Merman. And I thought that was like, that was incredible because he's exactly right. There's no He Man. Uh, they could have just like uh, you know, run around and wreck up the place and take it over. Yeah, a one hundred, one hundred percent. You know, like these icons, as you put it, are ideals. You know, and that's the heroes choose to rally behind one, and the villains choose to rally behind the other. But without those ideals, without those uh, north stars to point them in the right direction, you know watching how these people crumbled is so interesting and yeah merman is fucking hurt too he's just like we could have done so much but the minute skeletor is not here i'm no one yeah no one remembers who i am but i rule the goddamn sea you know yeah and he and he's going shirtless to prove it he's he's really he's like hey evelyn it's been a long time yeah i've been working out a little bit oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's it's like seeing uh uh, two exes uh meet up after a a long time of not seeing each other but yeah the one one got real healthy yep (laughs) you know what i mean i go to the gym every day you know i swim laps and uh he keeps flexing and posing um i ditched ditched the corn cob uh shirt um you know just choose to be a little more natural you know it's also it's also weird it's like the renouncing of who they are in a certain way like you know like merman shirtless beast man is shirtless they don't have like their you know like their armor their barding and things like that while like triclops who's pretty much bone-ass naked (laughs) is you know like wearing like these full robes and being more it's you know, same with, uh, you know, um, Trapjaw. It's really weird, like, the directions they are heading in because of this, uh, like, just physically looking because of these events as well. You know, like, Beastman becoming more bestial, Merman becoming more mer- Sexy. 
mean, you know, aquatic ish, you know, like his, his dealings with, you know, like the surface dwellers no longer interest him. So he he's, he's, you know, like reverting, I don't want to say reverting back, but he's becoming more with his environment. Um, and again, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll listen to Kevin Conroy read me a dinner menu if he'd be so <laughs> kind about it. You know, he could read a barbecue sauce packet ingredient list, and I'd be like, yeah, that was pretty cool, Batman, thanks. Um, and he does such a great job here. Yeah, I really loved his performance, but let me ask you this. Did you think he sort of sounded like he was doing a Michael Dorn impression? Uh, inadvertently. Yeah, I don't think that was his, his intention, but I was like, that sounds like Worf a little bit. It has a... See, so the thing is, right, like, Kevin Conroy is not your traditional voice actor. You know, in a sense where he's doing, like, a bunch of different voices and, you know, uh, changing it up. It's, you know, like, his Bruce Wayne is what he sounds like for real. Yeah, that's that just he, Kevin Conroy. That's just Kevin Conroy. And then, you know, he lowers the register to do, like, Batman. But I yeah. think because he was putting a little, like, the a only thing I get... stank on it? Yeah, a little bestial type of sound, like, you know, a little more elemental type of sound. For some strange reason, took it into wharf territory. Like, tonally, it just sounded a little bit like Michael Dorn, yeah. Yeah. Um, which I wouldn't complain. I'd have been like, Michael Dorn's Birdman? Okay, I'll take it, whatever. This is all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to say no to Kevin Conroy, but I would have said yes to Michael Dorn as Birdman. But, um,. You know, he he that toughness is is well earned because he is uh for the second time this episode our heroes are incapacitated. They have um they're at the mercy of Merman. And who should come along to save the day but Man at Arms on a cool jet ski. All right, so let's see what is it? What is it? Okay, it's it's a jet. You see, but it's on water. Mortimer, you got it again. It's a jet ski. And, they <laughs> and running down the halls he goes. Yeah, no. Fucking man at arms looks so boss in this. Yeah. Holy shit. It's just like. How about dang. that Iron Man pose when he jumps up and fires missiles out of his little shoulder thing? Of course. It was just like man at arms was like, of course I kept everything. I didn't get rid of it. Check out yeah. this shit. I got a hook rope. I got missiles. I still got my laser. I can jump kick with the best of them. I am a total badass. Oh, I love this whole sequence. Like yeah. him jumping up, getting a little thing, and yeah, the mini missiles coming out. Just whooping Aquaticans' asses left and right. And tag teaming uh with uh Beast Band with yeah. his little with his little uh whatever, his little grappling hook, and then yeah, that was an awesome little uh, assist move. And then just there's this part with Merman, and I think it was animated so well, was when he was attacking, and it was just like this forward movement with him just using like his claws, like his, you know, like his from his fingers yeah. instead of like a sword or weapon. Like I said, a little bit more like he's returning back to what he knows, and it, it's a really cool like sequence. Um, a little more feral. Yeah, feral. There you go. There you go. That's I was yeah, trying feral. to remember that word. Feral. What the yeah. hell am I talking about? Well, you know, I mean, I, I, I was picking up what you were putting down. Um, well, thank you very much for uh, 
for doing that. Um, but yeah, they uh, Evelyn then um, th- threatens Merman once they have him tied down with a very gruesome death. Basically, because he is a fish man, her her threat is to tie him to a rock, uh, basically, and have a, the until he's so dry and withered, the seagulls won't eat him. <laughs> yeah, that's nasty. But yeah, you know, what are you going to do? Yep. <laughs> and of course, he's like, "Okay, fine, I capitulate." Uh, but remember, the sea never forgets. And I was like, "That's a cool line." And he's like, "Neither do I." And I'm like, "Way to ruin it, merman." <laughs> Yeah, it's also one of those things like when you get your ass whooped and then you're walking away talking shit. It just Yeah, it's cool, but it's not as cool as like if you whoop someone's ass and then you talk shit. This one's very much like, okay, Burman, just go back to the sea. You know, like whatever, whatever. You know, he's like yeah. the sea never forgets, and neither do I. And then he's like bloop, 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 bloop. Because I thought, like, he was the sea. So when he say, said the sea never forgets, I just assumed he was also talking about himself, or talking about himself as the sea. But instead, he's like, and also, I don't. And it's like, what? Come on. The uh, sea doesn't yeah. have a mind. Well, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you. I, I think if it just would have been like, whoa, he, he's really went all in on this. Like, this is like, I mean, dude, he pulls an Aquaman, he summons this giant, you know, creature to come help propel the boat, because the motor is, you know, the the engine's all blown up or whatever. That's power. Like, yeah, oh, he looks know. cool as hell, too, uh, when he was doing it. And he's like, summoning that thing from the deep <laughs> was it was rad as heck. Um, and apparently, uh, the, the gates to Subternia, which is where they're headed, um, is just on an iceberg, but the closer you get to the entrance to Subternia, the more purple the crystals are. Like I said, it's a crystalberg. It's not really an iceberg, but you know what I mean. Yeah. I mean, you definitely would notice it. Yeah, but... You know, <laughs> sure would. Purple crystals it's- and, you know, giant obelisk. So... It's just, yeah, it's just a giant weird, weird onyx obelisk. Yeah, but uh, I guess you know, like uh, what Evelyn produces the head of the Havoc staff. The yeah, because there's like a a skeleton who's just sort of sitting in a meditative pose in front of the obelisk and uh, just begging for a Havoc staff to be put on those that bare spinal column. Yeah, I do like the fact she puts it and then like it starts to move and she does like this like jump back like I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, Yeah, that was great because like she initially winces away and nothing happens and then it starts moving and then she's like, oh, right. (laughs) It's like that's kind of a uh, another like it's another place that the humor, I think, is subtle and it landed quite well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um. And that's it, right? They uh, the the obelisk raises up, and it reveals like a sp- spiral, a square spiral stair staircase, if that's what it's still called, descending into the darkness. And uh, off our heroes go. Evelyn um decides to take the havoc stack with her, and I guess 
they'll find another way out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if well remember it's subternia and the only way to preternia is through subternia. Right. So she figures they're not coming out this way anyway, which I hope is true because she definitely just in taking the Havoc staff, the the seal, the the their way is sealed. I mean, I guess I wouldn't really worry about people coming in after me. But no. Oh, where's that going? Oh, subternia. It's like hell? No, I'm good. Where is me go? Someone get a bucket. Start filling the hole. Yeah, no. I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Yep. (laughs) And that is the end. Um, One piece of business before we wrap it up, John. Uh, I forgot to mention we have He Man Yeet Count number two in this episode. Yeah, we uh, yes, he he yeets an Aquaticin into uh, Skeletor. Yeah, I believe so. Yep. So there, there was you know. So so far, two yeets. Um, Yeet number two. Yep. There were other yeets in the episode. You know, Beastman yeets somebody. Mm-hmm. I guess, but not by He Man. Not by He Man. So yeah, uh, firm Yeet count of two. Well, you know, I wish there were more yeets. Um, I'm really hoping that it picks up uh, a little bit later. Uh, like, you know, just like, give us all the yeets. Yeah, we might have to, yeah, we might have to kind of expand the rules. But so far, yeet count, number two. Three episodes, two yeets, not a lot, but there's more time. So let's see if they can turn it around. Yeah, like at least a yeet an episode. Please. Yeah, that's all we're asking for. It's not Um, a lot. No, I think it's very reasonable yeet count. Like I said, I want him yeeting everything. Like, yep. (laughs) You know, just like, you know, yeeting battle cat at people. (laughs) Sure, why not? You know, yeeting sky sleds, yeeting a sword, (laughs) yeeting a shield, you know, just yeet, 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 yeet everywhere. You're scared, He Man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeeting himself. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Um, so, John, I think we, you know, we kind of gave this away already, but what did you think of this episode? I love it. I love yeah. it. I, so far, out of the three, I'm reserving judgment until, you know, we kind of wrap, mm-hmm. truly wrap everything up. But so far, this is probably my favorite episode, actually, out of the uh, three. I'm going to go ahead and wholeheartedly agree with you there. It is just great. It's it's 25 minutes long. It feels like it's five. It, it just clips by so fast. The humor is great. The character development for everyone is truly interesting. And um, they made Merman cool as heck, which is no small feat. I mean, but, you know, they've been trying to make Aquaman cool for years, still haven't done it. So Yep. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. And in one go, Mark Bernardin was able to make, along with some very t- uh, talented artists and animators, was was able to make a very sexy, very cool merman. Um, so a good Anya for that. Yeah. Um, but let's check out what happens in the next episode, episode four of season one of Masters of the Universe Revelations, is called Land of the Dead. And the synopsis goes like this. Separated from her companions in Subternia, 
Tila faces a sinister entity who offers her half of the sort of power in exchange for her fears. Ooh, what could that entity be? The thumbnail gives it away. Mm, yes, it's Scareglow. <laughs> Uh, voiced by Tony Todd. Um, I accidentally watched a little of this this episode. Again, you know, I've already seen it, obviously, but, um, yeah, yeah, so good. Uh, can't wait to talk about it. Um, but that is the next episode. That will do it for this episode. Um, but before we say goodbye this week... We'd like to thank Burton M6 for our theme song. If you're interested in having him make a piece of music for you, check the show notes for a link to his Fiverr page. If you're looking for more of us, John and I, that is, but not just about He-Man, then check about our or check out our other podcast, Pop Saga. And until next time, be kind to each other. Because when it comes to making the world a better place for everyone, you have the power! And the theme song goes here. To all my people, if you're into He-Man, the Skeletor, the unofficial Revelations companion, it's more than a cartoon, I'm here to let you know. Masters of the universe, Revelations, for sure. We breaking down the episodes, this is what you need in. Before He-Man, grab somebody and start eating. From Evil in Clamp Champ, Tila and the Man of Arms, they have the power, so come and join the squad. Yeah. Dear Skeletor, the unofficial Revelations companion, let's go.